0: Hey, Green Eyes. Hi. You look stunning. Thank you. W- w- what do I look like?
1: <laughs> you look stunning, too. <laughs> but seriously, you look very handsome.
0: Wouldn't that be a good time of walking the light?
1: Uh, why do you always walk in the light on the radio?
0: Because <laughs> you can't get mad at me when there's lots of people listening. I
1: can still get you later. It's not like I don't know where you're sleeping. <laughs>
0: You tend to forget that you have a very short attention span when it comes to my naughtiness.
1: Well, I, yes, I've, I have a low vengeance or need for vengeance.
0: Do you want to tell a story about my community service?
1: <laughs> okay, so a couple of weeks ago, I come home and you <laughs> greet me at the door. I think because you're, you're afraid that the kids were going to out you. So you greet me at the door with this story about you know, babe, how we want to, like, be people in our community and we want to get to know people and we want to support children and their goals. And you're going on and on. And I was like, what have you done? What have you done? (laughs) And he's like, well, you know, these kids came selling Girl Guide cookies and I just thought, you know, it would be wrong not to buy it from them. And, you know, they're our neighbors. And so anyway, the cookies got dropped off today.
0: And what I got, I got some mores. I got the s'mores which I think are new this year and maybe they're not and I got some sort of caramel crunch
1: you got one kind of gluten-free one so basically the kids can have that one and the rest of the cookies are all for you I'm assuming
0: yes oh thank you (laughs) that was an easier negotiation than I thought
1: (laughs) well I can't have
0: them so I put them in the freezer because apparently they're delicious straight from the freezer Which ones? All of them? Well, I've only tried two of them so far. The Samoas are delicious. (laughs) You've already tried
1: two. You've hardly even gotten home.
0: Caramel Crunch were okay. And I haven't tried the s'mores yet because I'm a man of discipline.
1: Okay. So, man of discipline. When do you plan on trying the s'mores then? Next week?
0: Right after this podcast Uh is done.
1: (laughs) Incredible discipline.
0: I didn't know about Girl Scout cookies. I knew that was a thing of like an American thing, like yellow school buses.
1: Well, it's also a Canadian thing. I mean, I sold Girl Guide cookies when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, Girl Guide, not Girl Scouts. Two yeah. completely different things. Girl
1: Guide cookies are even better.
0: <laughs> I I actually wonder, what things have I missed out on not being a child growing up in America? Like in Britain, there's all these things that were just part of my childhood, like you... sugar puffs, shreddies, Ribena, Ugh, hula gross. hoops. Frazzles.
1: What's that horrible stuff that you eat? Skips, on
0: toast. Marmite. Blah. All right. So, all these things that as an adult, if if we emigrated to, to Britain and you'd never grown up there, you would never think of trying those things. No. Uh, but you would be enamored by like Indian food and fish and chips and, you know, some other stuff, but you would never think about trying these things. Mm-hmm. So, I'm intrigued. What have I missed out, American listeners, on not growing up in this country? Like, what are the things from your childhood that you think I would love?
1: You've missed out on like, you Captain know. Captain
0: Crunch. <laughs>
1: chocolate with little bits of bug in it no
0: don't be mean seriously i'm intrigued to know please reach out to me via email or twitter about the things that are
1: representations of your childhood
0: yeah i would love to catch up because girl scout cookies are this amazing thing that i would never have known about save for coming to america
1: have you heard of jello
0: i have heard of jello i liked jello when i was a kid <laughs> let's, let's get some jello but i had jelly i had that in the uk we called it jelly not jello well, Jell-O's much better, I'm I'm pretty sure. I had to get over the... There's a difference between jam and jelly in America. So peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, we call them peanut butter and jam sandwiches. Yes. But what is the we, difference between jam and jelly? No,
1: they're the same thing.
0: Oh, they are? Yeah. Okay. I thought one was... Anyway, I literally don't know. So please, Americans, educate me. What have I missed out on? I can't wait. I'm going to systematically work my way through it. You're <laughs> so
1: excited. Uh, it could be that I've missed out on some things too, uh... I never got to eat all those sugary cereals when I was a kid. My parents wouldn't buy
0: them. My mother wouldn't let me either. We had a diluting juice called Kiora, and we were allowed that on special occasions. And And potato chips or crisps.
1: That sounds disgusting. What? A diluting juice called Kiora. <laughs> it sounds like some sort of virus. <laughs> Did you hear about Alan? He got Kiora. Oh no, Kiora, we should pray
0: for him. We don't really do that in America, I don't think. Squash. Diluting
1: juices? No, they're disgusting. Squash, by the way, for listeners who have no clue, is another kind of diluting juice no, that you just add it water to. It's
0: a generic term for diluting juice. So you would right. buy...
1: Not a vegetable. <laughs> it's a diluting juice.
0: You'd buy all your juice in concentrate and then you just put a bit in it and add water. Yes. Kind of like soda stream but it's with no face. It's not fizz. really <laughs> juice.
1: It's just sugar with dye in it. It's so bad. But I remember the first time going to the UK and somebody asking me, they were doing like drinks, would you like coffee, tea or squash? And I was like, squash is a vegetable. <laughs> How are you making that into a beverage? <laughs> and I thought, you know, I'm going to pass on that. That's going to be a hard pass on the squash.
0: Yep. But I tell you, I loved Ribena. I still have a craving for Ribena. Every time I'm in the store and I see Ribena in the... International section. I pick up some.
1: Or when you're sick and you're like, I just want hot ribena. I'm like, you want hot sugar with (laughs) dye in it while you're sick. That's not going to help you. Maybe
0: it's black currants. It's a source of vitamin C.
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) big vitamin C content that in that beverage right there.
0: Oh gosh, I love you. So funny. All right, talk to me about this week.
1: We had a great week, didn't we?
0: We did. It was, it was non-stop. We, we actually tried to record this episode of the podcast yesterday. We've had our friends Ben and Sarah from Toronto here all week, and I wanted them on the podcast. And so yesterday afternoon, we sat down to record in the studio. But for some odd reason, it was so hot in the room.
1: Well, it's pretty hot right now.
0: Well, it's nowhere near as hot as it no, was yesterday. it was
1: bad yesterday.
0: But this is as much as we got. Hi. Hello. I think we sound delightful. That sounds like the, the voice of heaven.
1: But, but definitely not like a Torontonian.
0: That how, was my point. How does a Torontonian sound? I'm not even like sure there I is do. a real accent for a Torontonian.
1: I have it. I am the one who holds the Torontonian accent. <laughs> mm-hmm. The one
0: Torontonian it, it's, accent to it's rule the world. Actually,
1: all. <laughs> it, it, uh, I don't have an accent. We're the only place in the world that doesn't have an accent. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm sorry you didn't get to hear more of Ben and Sarah and <laughs> you stuck with us this week. But we did try. We're back. <laughs> But yeah, full on week. Teaching, hosting, visiting. Uh, eating good
1: food, eating making good food. food. You
0: made your pot to creme again.
1: I did. Oh. And we made the sous vide steak and then you seared it beautifully while I caramelized Brussels sprouts and things. Yeah, it was, was delicious. Good.
0: Um, we saw Arrival. Yeah. What did you think of Arrival?
1: Well, I don't typically like alien movies, um, but it was really good. I thought it was very touching and not at all I expected.
0: And do you think it's worthy of the eight Oscars it's been nominated for?
1: Has it been nominated for eight? Uh, yes, I think so. Well, I, I th- certainly think it's more worthy than La La Land. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? You, you can say whatever you
0: want. <laughs> I, I thought the cinematography on it was beautiful. I thought the pacing, while I would have thought it would be slow, I thought it was just perfect. Yeah. And I loved, I, I thought it was a beautiful film. I fell asleep halfway through it, which I need to rewatch it. But that's just because I was so tired. I wasn't bored. I thought
1: it was beautiful. The pacing was stunning. I fell asleep halfway through. <laughs>
0: no, to, to be yes. fair, I was exhausted, not because yes. the movie was boring. And I thought the overall theme of it was brilliant. And I thought lots of twists and turns. in it. I, I genuinely loved the movie. It was great. It was really good. So that's really our week. It was just had friends, guests. Busy teaching, working. You got to speak up at One Stone in East Nashville and do Full Heart. And then uh, and that was it, really, wasn't it? Yes,
1: I really enjoyed being up at One Stone. Sweet church, really sweet.
0: And you also got to eat at Mas
1: Tacos. I did, it was my first time at Which Mas Tacos. I've never eaten there. Well, you went and looked at it and went, I'm not eating here. <laughs> Which, I'm not surprised. It, it is a bit of a hole in the wall. But, mm. babe... You have to give it another
0: shot. Oh, I'll try it.
1: We can go on a date night. It's super cheap too. It's like really inexpensive, but it's so good.
0: All right. Well, I'm persuaded I'd love to go. Okay. I've got to mention, I had a Craigslist win.
1: (gasps) You did have a
0: Craigslist win. I love Craigslist. Yeah. I I really genuinely love... A good deal. (laughs) Well, I love a good deal, but I love benefiting from other people's... Like they've moved on. So basically, Tia, who is our seven and a half year old, as she likes to be called now.
1: Yes. She clarified this morning in the car. I called them nine and seven and they said, actually, mummy, we're both technically halves by now. So that's how they want to be referred to.
0: They Our kids are so excited about their cousins coming to stay. And they've done the math. They've realized if our cousins do come to stay, which they are. But they don't know that yet. No, they don't. But... They don't listen to our podcast, so we're quite <laughs> But they'd done the math and they're working out where our, our cousin's going to sleep. And so Tia had said, Daddy, you said that I could get a trundle bed. And I'd really like a trundle bed. A trundle bed, for those of you who are not familiar with that terminology, is like a roll away bed that tucks underneath. The main bed. So I tried to find a trundle for her existing bed, couldn't, realized uh, Craigslist could be my friend, hopped on Craigslist and found a beautiful sleigh bed. So pretty. So pretty, with a trundle and two mattresses, which normally I'm scared about using somebody else's mattresses, but this was a very nice couple and a very nice home and the mattress had been kept indoors.
1: Did you sniff them, the couple, I mean, to make sure they smelled clean? <laughs> I did, clean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I did a quick <laughs> DNA swab on them while they weren't looking. Like, <laughs> And some mattress covers. Bought them home. Shoved them in the wash. Built the bed. And hey, Presto, she loves it. And it's just beautiful. Oh, it looks like
1: a princess bed. Totally does. Love it. Which means Muggy Mugs now has his
0: bunk Bunk bed. bed back.
1: Yeah. So he's all excited about that because that's
0: just so much cooler than just one bed. So it's a bedroom win for everybody. Yes. These are the type of things I'm sure you're desperate to hear about each week when you tune in.
1: Well, on the way home from church today, they were discussing how, because I'm going away this week, and they have a plan to intermittently get to... Sleep with you in your great big bed.
0: Have they come up with a schedule?
1: Well, they haven't quite yet, but they're saying they're leaning towards the weekend, each one of them getting a turn to oh, sleep in the king size really bed with adorable. you. But then they've decided they're gonna sleep over in each other's rooms, whoever isn't with you, to make it an exciting evening for everyone.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: So, you're going to have fun.
0: Plans and better plans. There you go. All right, let's talk about the topic for this week.
1: Yes. The topic of this week is actually what you've been teaching on at Eminate for the last couple of weeks. And you've just started doing a three week series uh, for Grace Center on
0: Sunday mornings. Yeah, it's really funny because I'd mentioned on the podcast that I've been teaching the series at Eminate all about blessing. And it's probably been one of the hardest things I've preached. Not that it's difficult content to understand, not that it's difficult content to produce, but there is so much resistance and seeming hostility and I, I understand that because I felt in my own heart when preparing it that delivering it was really hard and I got to I think last week and I was like and I'm done and I kind of threw in the towel and I was like well Lord I was faithful you asked me to preach three weeks on this I'm done and that was the Monday mm-hmm. and then on the Wednesday Pastor Jeff calls and was like hey I think it'd be great if the main church heard that would you teach it and I was like <laughs> so
1: but this morning we're was teaching killer it. It was so good, babe.
0: Well, you're very sweet. You have you, you sleep with me. You have to say that.
1: No, I'm telling you, I got text messages from a whole bunch of people saying how oh, good it was.
0: That's very kind. Well, people were very gracious and allowing me to poke their eyeballs, basically.
1: I like that Jeff sort of um, set it up with this whole thing about wisdom is part part of wisdom is to allow yourself to be persuaded, mm-hmm. and you know to to basically be teachable. And so he sort of challenged all of us before you started speaking to allow ourselves to be persuaded. Um, so that was really good too.
0: It is funny because I taught this morning that there are a bunch of stuff as preachers that we can preach that never gets challenged. And the reason it never gets challenged is it doesn't really affect our life one way or another. Mm-hmm. Now that sounds ridiculous. But for example, if I teach on the need to be humble, everybody would be like, yeah, yeah. To, totally agree. I agree. With that. Yeah, yep.
1: there's no chance. Yeah,
0: but I understand. there isn't a humbleometer out there where we can gauge whether we are, you know, to what degree of humility are we? Or if I was going to talk about how you know, there's a need to be uh, telling the truth. Everybody agrees with that, and everybody's you know fine with that. But whenever you teach on something like physical healing or blessing, people present the same sort of arguments, and it's only natural. If, for example, you've never seen a miracle. If you've never seen anybody get healed, or if indeed you have been sick for a long period of time, hearing that God wants you well automatically presents a bunch of questions before you even accept that truth. Right. So rather than going, that's amazing, that's the truth, I I would love to be healed, we go, oh yeah, well if that's true, why did my mother die of cancer? Oh yeah, well if that's true, why am I not healed? And we don't take it as a truth to be received, we take it as a lie to be defended, and so we just rush in with all these arguments. Of blah, 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 blah. And so when you teach on blessing, as soon as you start talking about how God wants you to be blessed, uh-huh. like if I said on this podcast, you know what, guys, God wants you to be holy, nobody would put up a fight. Because A, we don't really have a grid for what holiness is. Now, we do. But what I mean is nobody's challenged by that. If I say God wants you to be financially blessed, then instantly people are, are going to challenge that. And I th- I think that's really funny because both holiness and financial blessing are both represented in the scriptures.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny too because, like you were saying, we're so our experience determines so much of what we believe in the Bible and what we sort of what we take in and what we throw away or what we set aside or don't delve into or whatever. Like the Bible is subject to our experience rather than our experience being subject to the Bible. Right. Yeah.
0: Which, to clarify, just in case you're new to our podcast, AJ's not saying that the Bible is subject to our experience. What she's saying is we tend to read the Bible with a filter based on our experience. Right. The Bible is the word of God and is the benchmark for all of our life. But my comment this morning was we tend to read the Bible in a vacuum. Yeah. We tend to know way more of the Bible than we are actually living. Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge for us this year has been kind of putting our money where our mouth is. Like... Okay, we say we live by biblical values. Let's 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 do it. Let's let's be as biblically based as we can in in regards to our giving, in regards to our trust of God, in regards to yes. I, I was reading Exodus this morning, mm-hmm. and you know, the Lord comes to Moses and tells him, Go go speak to Pharaoh. And he doesn't say yes. He says here's all the reasons why that won't work.
1: Right, which is what we all do, isn't which it? Which is what we all do. And yeah. I'm like,
0: okay, God, I'm determined just to give you my yes, not my reasons why it won't work. Not my objections, not my ask for clarification, just a yes. Like, I want the rest of my life to be 100% just obedient to God. And that revelation isn't new from previous years, but I realize in previous years, I am slow to respond for fear of being deceived. Right. And I'm like, I've got no time for deception. I just want utter obedience to God. Yeah.
1: Well, babe, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of the whole thing started with the Lord challenging you with a question at the beginning of the year that we started you know sort of discussing and and pondering about what would it look like for your life to be blessed.
0: Right, which is such a strange question. Yeah. Because are are you kidding me? Look, look at our life. Like just at a uh, basic level, we have jobs, we have enough money to feed ourselves, we have a house, we have healthy children. Of course right. we're blessed. Right,
1: we're yes. Of course we're. Right.
0: And not only that, we have a really nice standard of living. Not only that, we're really healthy. We have TVs and all the modern luxuries that you would need. Of course we are. So the fact that God would ask that question got me thinking like, Lord, what are you going after? Right. Have I not been grateful? Have I not expressed gratitude? Am I I taking this for granted? Do I not think I'm blessed? I, I hope that's not the case. And I have a sneaking suspicion that what God was going after is we tend to classify blessing according to our metric rather than God's. Okay. So what I mean by that is we, I feel like I will set a limit on what is reasonable and what's not reasonable. And right. And in my research, I would say everybody does that. Everybody determines the level of blessing that's on their life. Yeah. So everybody thinks that what they have is an appropriate amount from God. Yeah. Because if you didn't, you'd have more or you'd have less. Yeah. So then that got me thinking, well, what is God's perspective of blessing? Yes. And... You know what I discovered in Scripture is is astonishing.
1: It really is. It it made me sort of think about. I remember when I was a kid. And, you know, my grandparents are absolutely amazing and they're now at home
0: with the Lord. Uh, I was apparently dead. Yes. You were speaking uh, about them in present uh, time. I'm sorry. I was like, they I'm were. confused.
1: Absolutely amazing. Um, but I remember my grandmother used to make a point of the difference between need and want. Right. And so, like, if you went up to her and say, Grandma, I need a cookie, she'd say, You don't need a cookie. You want a cookie. And you can occasionally ask for a want. Um, But you can feel free to ask for a need, you know? And so I remember always just sort of having to really think about if there was something that my heart was leaping at, well, is it a want or a need? And is it okay to ask for a want? Or should we really only be asking for needs? Like, as long as I have rice and beans, really my needs are covered. And, you know, anything more than that really is a want. And so don't be selfish.
0: And in the light of enormous suffering that's going around the world. Right. How dare you move beyond that? Yeah. You know, it's a very, very reasonable argument. Sure. But it's not actually the one that God is presenting. I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I remember having family come and stay. Yes. And we were showing our family, well, we weren't showing our family anything. We were just driving around a neighborhood. And I remember uh, we were driving past some really nice houses. And one of my family members was just like, look at those houses. They are disgraceful. And I was like, I, I think they're quite pretty. And they're like, nobody needs a house that big. And I was like, oh, I actually know some of the people that live in that house. They're, they can't be believers, is what this person said. Yeah. They cannot be believers. Yeah. It is immoral to have a house that size. So somewhere along their line, their level of blessing is is drawn at a certain level and anything above that is wasteful. Right. But my point was, hey, if somebody from the slums of India comes and looks at your house, yes, your house is massive and obscene compared to them. Right. Like, you know, wait, all your children have a separate bedroom? In my house, everybody lives in one bedroom. So there is a sliding scale and of course this huge... You know cultural implications of all those things, but when you look at Scripture, the Lord is above and beyond any level of abundance you can think of. Yeah, which m- makes makes everything uncomfortable. Sure, sure it does.
1: I mean, I think I think that's been one of the realizations since you know we've started processing since January is realizing that the the tie in with blessing can equate to shame if you're poverty-minded. Say that again. So blessing can end up with you living from a place of shame if you're still poverty-minded.
0: Oh, because you don't think you deserve what you have.
1: Right. So having the realization that, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, for example, here we are in this amazing house, that there's like no earthly way we should have been able to have. Right. And here we are and we're blessed and we get up every morning and look around and go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we live here. I can't believe this is our house, Right, but still feeling like a level of, I'll speak for myself. Like I should apologize, you know, well, because for, you're a pastor, because I'm a pastor, because you know,
0: you're not allowed nice things,
1: whatever. Yeah. Those things. So just being like, all, all those thoughts that are totally not godly thoughts, right? But they seem like well, they're probably more good religious thoughts, right? Right. And then, but realizing really all of that is shame, right? All of the and and actually, it's hard to be shameful and thankful. So, yeah, from a place of shame, it's hard to be like Lord, thank you for this house, thank you for this blessing, and and you know and also be apologetic.
0: I've, I've been reading this brilliant book. I highly recommend it. Lyle Phillips got me onto it. It's called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. It is a fantastic book. But in it, he talks exactly about that dynamic, that in our if our hearts aren't healed, we either run to pride or shame. So God gives us something good, and pride says, you know, someone's like, oh my gosh, I love your shoes. And you're like, yeah, they're imported from Italy. Mm-hmm. And someone says, oh my gosh, I like your shoes. And if you've got shame, you're like, oh, I, I just, I got it uh, at Target.
1: Yeah, I got them on sale. All
0: right. and, and so pride is always trying to make you, make others think that what you got is, is better than what they are. And shame is so embarrassed that you have what you have that you're trying to excuse away the blessing. Yeah. So, you know, we've probably all been there where you meet a Christian who's got something nice and you point out something like, ni- you know, car, house, watch, whatever. And they begin apologizing for it or explaining how they got it not in a way that honors God like oh yeah God totally blah, but trying to justify the fact that they have this nice thing Right. Uh, we, we have a friend it, who's a missionary mm-hmm. and one of the first times I met him he had a beautiful Rolex watch and so I asked about his watch and he said oh it was a, fa- a family heirloom you know passed down to him from his, his family and I was like oh it's wonderful and he's like yeah it is but try raising mission support when you have a Rolex on your wrist everyone's like sell your watch <laughs> right, and so there's this whole thing of like, oh, if you if you're going to live according to the Lord, then you have to subject yourself to poverty. Now, is there going to be times that God asks you to sacrifice? Absolutely. Is there times when, um, in, in, is there going to be times when by living by faith you have lack because you're believing for abundance? Absolutely. Mm. But just I just even challenged the congregation this morning with this simple litmus test is do you think God would have things go well for you more than he'd have things go poorly for you? Right. And people were stumped. Because somewhere along the lines, we've thought, or I'll speak for myself, I've thought, well, God can't want things to go well for me because then I'll get big-headed. Which
1: is <laughs> assuming all kinds of strange things about your heart and character as well. That and also about the power exist. of Jesus. Yes.
0: That Jesus' death and resurrection is sufficient to save me but not keep me from being big-headed if God blesses me. Right. Like think about how small we've just made Jesus' sacrifice. Right.
1: And I think too, like we know quite a few people that are very wealthy and very healthy in that wealth. Right. And if you were to say to any of them, hey, I love your watch, they'd go, thank you. Right. Do you know what I mean? And there wouldn't be an explanation coming about where it came from or why they have it or, do you know what I mean? Like that whole, so there's, if, It feels like they can just be comfortable and thankful in the blessing that God's placed them in. Right. I want to get there.
0: I think the other funny dynamic, and I talked about this a little bit, is that as soon as you just even open a discussion on blessing... And this goes back to like if you open a discussion on healing, they are like, just like, yeah, I believe that God wants to heal the sick. Mm-hmm. But before that sentence is even finished, people are like, oh yeah, well then why haven't I been healed? Like we we jump to that, or oh yeah, well if God wants people healed, why are there hospitals? And we've just we've just we've not even heard the statement, the the kernel of truth, this nugget of revelation from scripture before we've tried to stretch it to an example to prove our point that that can't be real. Right. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, why do we do that? Like, why are we so slow to learn? Why are we so threatened by revelation? And, and I felt like the Lord said, well, in regards to, like, so one of the famous things is, you know, you're talking about blessing and people then bring up. Poor people in Africa, poor Christians in Africa. Oh, so you're saying that poor Christians in Africa, we should all be millionaires. Is that what you're saying? I'm like, first of all, it's not what I'm saying. But second of all, it's interesting that you've taken a statement that God wants his children blessed and you've taken it and you've stretched it out of the context that we're talking to over, way over here, where that, that no longer fits. And you've done that so that you don't have to apply that truth to your own life. And I think that's the problem because when we begin talking about blessing, we either A, quantify what we have and just say, oh yes, I'm blessed and highly favored among the Lord. I mean, I remember meeting somebody and they're just, oh, I'm so blessed. And I'm like, you have neither food for your table or money for your bills. Like, I'm, I'm really glad that you've got a great attitude. I'm really glad that you're persevering. But is this what God had in mind for you when right. Jesus died on a cross, insufficiency? And I don't think it is.
1: And I think too, like when you say, does God want, people, orphans in Africa, blessed or whatever. I think, yes, he does. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of systems in place that that's not working out so well at the moment. You know what I mean? Well, I'm being
0: facetious because people are like, oh, you're saying they should all have Rolexes. I'm
1: like, no. No, and neither were we saying we should all have Rolexes. It's just, you know, yeah.
0: It, It is funny. I think when we talk about blessing, it highlights the lack in our life. Yeah. And we'll do anything we can to have the spotlight hidden away from lack.
1: Well... Also, because there's stuff to own if you're actually going to press into God for blessing.
0: I think the problem is, as soon as you make a bold statement like, God wants you to be blessed, it actually indicates the areas where we're not and we challenge it. Yeah. Bill Johnson had this. I heard Bill, and it's actually, this is all Bill's fault because I heard him preaching in Toronto a number of years ago. And he said this without a theology of blessing, we condemn the poor to poverty. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh, that's amazing. And it comes back to that whole dichotomy where in the church today, we want people who seek first the kingdom of God, but we don't know what to do with people to whom all things have been added. Right. And I I think we're coming to a place where actually God's manifestation of his blessing is going to become so visible that we actually have to do some legwork to actually create a landing strip for the blessing that he wants to give us.
1: Yeah. I think too, like when I think about it, like just thinking about the people that we know that are very wealthy, like in the in the category of very wealthy, right? they're also probably the most incredible givers we know.
0: Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, we haven't even got to that topic. But yeah, un- undoubtedly, there's the the people I know who've learned to manage wealth brilliantly have really applied the lore to that area of wealth.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking because I think is it... Is it Bill who says about how we're blessed to be a blessing? Yeah. So that's that's sort of what I was thinking about is like that statement about poverty and and condemning them to poverty is like, well, actually if we're if we're walking in blessing and we're walking in God's kingdom in terms of giving away and generosity and all that kind of stuff, that's how we shift things.
0: Right. Well it's Bill's other line of you can't reap more than you've planted. Right. Which is <laughs> brutal. Just Brutal, but brilliant. Yeah, it's great. You're never going to reap more than you've planted. Yeah.
1: Anyway, these are just ideas that we're kicking around, aren't they, babe? Right. And uh, I actually would really recommend you tuning in. If you haven't heard the teachings that Alan's been doing, um, just go and look up Grace Center. Can we link in the... Yeah, I'll put a link in
0: the show notes. I'm teaching the next three weeks at Grace Center. The first week is already done. I'll put a link to that. Yeah. And then subsequent weeks we'll, we'll link to those yeah. as well.
1: I mean, honestly, I found it really challenging and I've been with you in the process of it, but just, I really feel like the Lord is saying, hey, but what if? Well, it's but important to if? know
0: I've been challenged by the whole thing. I'm not up here going, guys, I've got it all sussed and you know, you unwashed masses just don't understand it. Right. I'm every morning in the word wrestling with all this stuff saying, God, help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. Yeah. And, just, you know, watching the Lord do incredible things, I'm shifting from a skeptic to a somebody who feels like, okay, this is a message that the church needs to hear, and I, um, I'm loving sharing it, despite the vulnerability that it requires and the awkwardness that comes with sharing it. Yeah. All right, you ready for a listener's question? Sure. This comes from Patrick. Hi, Patrick. He says, I'm single and wanting to find someone, but there is not an apparent answer from the Lord yet or anyone who interests me enough to ask out. I experienced a good bit of anxiety and unrest about this issue. How can I cultivate rest in this season of life? And how can I ensure that a desire is coming out of a healthy place?
1: How can you cultivate rest?
0: I think it's that whole thing of song of songs. Do not awaken love until it's so desires. I think if there's, if there's nobody on the scene and the Lord's not bringing anybody to it, uh, go with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and certainly don't panic. Um, the, the deal is like, you know, God's really good. God's really, really good. And he loves to match us well. And so I would say if there isn't somebody that you're actually seeing and feeling like, oh gosh, that would be awesome. Um, don't, don't panic. Just keep working on yourself. Keep working on stuff with the Lord. Keep, um, growing and, when that person comes along, then you'll be even more fit or more ready, if that makes sense.
0: Right. And as for anxiety, and there's nothing help for me to say, you know, be anxious for nothing. But Scripture says, I mean, Jesus says, "Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life?" Like so, Patrick, worrying is not going to speed up the bride that God has for you. Right. And that's hard to hear when you're watching other friends, you know, date or get married or whatever, but. I mean cultivating and rest is just is telling I think speaking to yourself is hugely important self God's got this under yeah. control and uh and as for the desire coming out of a healthy place
1: i think I think God cares about the desires of your heart, and some people um that are single have desired to be single and they that's what they have wanted and then peop- you know people that are married typically have desired to be married so i don't I don't know if you have to be. So much concerned about that. I think, I think my biggest thing would be, if, if your heart is to be married and find a wife, take the time between now and the when you meet her to work on you. Right. And in, in every area that the Lord highlights to you, start working on those things.
0: Right. And the whole thing about, uh, I don't know if my desire is coming out of a healthy place. I think whenever there's not idolatry, there's a good sign that health is happening. So if you want the Lord more than you want to be married, you're in a great place. But if you're like, Lord, I want to be married and why are you not doing this? And I don't even know if you love me anymore. Yeah, if you
1: don't bring me a spouse, I'm out of here.
0: Yeah, you've moved to idolatry and that's how you know you're in an unhealthy place. Yeah. All right, Mrs. Jones. Yes, sir. It is a gorgeous sunny afternoon.
1: It is. It's beautiful outside. I
0: want to jump on my bike. Okay. And I want to get some points because I'm competing with a bunch of people. And, uh, and
1: how are you doing today?
0: Today I'm failing dismally.
1: So. They probably didn't preach two sermons this morning. No, though.
0: in your face. But yeah,
1: you, that's right. You don't get yeah. points for that on your Apple Watch. I know, right? I w- you should just be more a demonstrative when preaching and you get more points.
0: Yeah, right. Hmm. Two things for you to think about this week. Our applications for our School of Supernatural Life are open. Boop, boop. If you go to the link in the show notes, gracecenter.us slash school, you will find out information all about our eight-month school. It is an astonishing opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life. We would love nothing more than getting the privilege of walking with you for eight months. Uh, You can find out all the information about the school, how to apply for it, how much it costs, all that sort of stuff on our website. I'll put a link in the show notes. And this week, if you by chance happen to be in Arizona, AJ is going to be ministering with Patricia King at a conference all about the Father's love. Um, Do you know if it's being streamed? I don't know if it's being streamed. Oh, okay. Well, if it is being streamed, look for it on Twitter and we'll mention it. But other than that, we'll hear all about that when you get back next week. Perfect. Any other news we need to update anybody on?
1: I don't think so, unless you're pregnant or anything.
0: I am not. Me neither. Okay. All
1: right, that's it. Good, all
0: right. <laughs> you guys have an amazing week. If you have a question you'd like to ask us, go to alanandaj.com slash ask and get the show notes for this episode at com slash 137. Faith.
1: say. Life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day from Franklin, Tennessee. They are just like you and me, Alan yeah. and AJ oh, yeah. keeping.